Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. Chris, did you hear that sound? Oh, God. What? It's CBS printing off money. It is a party. We got champagne bottles going All everywhere. All day because CBS has lucked into the dream scenario for next week. We are essentially going to get two division title games with Georgia traveling to face Kentucky and then the night tilt that we've been talking about for a while, Bama, LSU. It is a dream scenario for CBS right now. I mean, who would have thought Kentucky would have been a part of that dream? Oh, man. I I certainly did not. And, and, and LSU, too. I mean, we'll, we've talked about it a lot, the yeah. underdog story, but for both of those programs, uh, this, this is a fun angle, too. And the fact that both of those teams as underdogs get to host these games, right. we're going to talk a whole lot about both of those games. We're, of course, going to hit on Florida, Georgia, and we're going to hit on it at the top of the show. Sorry for all of those who were offended by the fact that we didn't hit on Florida, Georgia immediately, even though we talked about it with Chris Dorn yeah. for like a half hour. but. Whatever. Um, so we will, of course, go around the SEC, look ahead to some Week 10 lines, do all that fun stuff. But before we do all that, how much Texas Pete did you eat yesterday? Oh, my gosh, so much Texas Pete. So, like, first off, I had I had two bags of chips and salsa, uh, but I'll throw that out there. So that was nice. Um, and I added a little Texas Pete to my queso. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. God dang right it's nice. It was real nice. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I'd like to talk to you guys a little bit about something serious. I know we joke around a lot, um, but that is flavor. Not like Guy Fieri flavor. We're not going to Flavor Town right now. You're whoa, wearing whoa, a nice whoa. denim it's, button it's, down. It's Guy Fieri. Guy oh my Fieri. Gosh, we're not going to dress on. that up. Um, no, flavor. I mean, I recently shaved this terrible beard that I had. I don't have the flavor saver anymore, but I really need that because there's so much savory flavor in every bottle of Texas Pete that I have. You know how many bottles I have? Six. <laughs> Child's play, dude. A baker's dozen. Anyway, uh, our presenting sponsor, Texas Pete, for as long as I can remember, I have been dousing almost everything that I eat in Texas Pete, and I don't feel bad about that. It's fantastic. Pumpkin pie, Kit Kats. I mean, if I didn't love it so much, I'd probably <laughs> hand it out at Halloween this, this Wednesday, but, you know, I'm going to keep it for myself. Anyway, um, love it on my eggs, love it on my chicken, all that, all that aside, for years now, Texas Pete has been synonymous with days of watching football, not just me. Uh, my friends, my family, the rest of the world, I think, right? I'm not alone on this one. If you're looking for a way to kick up your menu while you're tailgating or just overall food options during a day of watching football, hell, on a Thursday morning, whatever you want, uh, head on over to texaspeat.com tailgate. They've got amazing recipes. They're not, they're not just good. They're delicious. They're simple. And don't forget to pick up a bottle of Texas Pete hot sauce at your local store before this week's game day. Nothing makes a game day better than Texas Pete. If you can't stand the Pete. Stay out of the kitchen. We actually got a DM from somebody in Australia who apparently they don't sell Texas Pete in Australia. And he ordered it off uh, eBay and has like six large boxes of Texas Pete, like all different flavors. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Imported. Imported. Not domestic. I Fancy I stuff. I bet they're... I bet there are a whole lot of people at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party that put a little Texas Pete in their bloody married, getting ready for uh, yesterday, Florida, Georgia, Georgia, Florida, whatever you want to call it. It was Georgia's day in Jacksonville. The dogs get their best win of the year, a huge bounce back performance coming off of the bye week and the loss, of course, at LSU. Jake 
from the man, the myth, the legend, maybe his signature performance that he's had so far uh, of his young career. Third and Grantham, we talked about how much that was going to be a key factor in this game, and that was the difference. Every single time he would get in these pressure situations, he would step up. He ended up, ended up having 240 passing yards, three touchdown passes. And by the way, third down passing, 86%. 14 yards per attempt and three touchdown passes. That th- that throw that he had to Terry Goblin oh, man. on that third and Grantham where they were up six and they could have easily just settled for a field goal. I think they would have tried to settle for a field goal two it weeks ago. It seems like maybe. that's what they wanted to do a lot of times yesterday. That <laughs> Man, that was... Was it second uh, that... down? We'll kick. We'll kick. <laughs> I mean, when you got hot rod, that's that's just what you do. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but what what a performance from Jake Fromm. Go, go figure that we're, you know, a lot of people, a lot of Georgia fans were frustrated that... He had been so poor in that performance against LSU and wanting to see more of Justin Fields, and Georgia fans probably couldn't get enough of Jake Fromm on Saturday. I mean, if you had told me before the game that there was zero chance Justin Fields was going to play, I would have thought you were crazy. Because, like, you know, the rumors coming out, you know, just like Tua last year where, you know, they were saying, like, if he doesn't play against Florida, then he's going to transfer, or, you know, just this and that, just hearsay kind of stuff. But I would have assumed with the week off, especially on how bad that offense looked last week, that there would have been something for him involved in the game plan. But no, they didn't need it. And go figure, too. Um, so I, I say this because Matt Hayes does a tremendous job every single week with his what I'm hearing around the SEC. Mm-hmm. He is super plugged in. He writes for us. He writes for Bleacher Report. And he does his column every week for us. And I always read it. It is a must, must read on SDS. And one of the things that he highlighted was that yeah, Justin Fields is going to be involved in this game plan. Georgia coaches have prepared right. a lot for him. We are definitely going to see him on Saturday. And I'm not sure that they necessarily were lying to him or anything like that, but I think once you saw once you saw Jake Fromm get into that rhythm with Isaac Nada, and he really got going at the end of the first half, it was like, all right, he, this he's, he's locked in. He is pretty much doing what he did in the second half of the yeah. Rose Bowl. We need to keep this guy on the field as much as possible. And he reminded everyone why he is one of the nation's... Oh gosh, he had like four straight four catches. catches in a row. Was like, that was like as many catches as he had all last year. It was and unbelievable. It was, I mean, it was cool to see him utilize so many different weapons they have because they are so talented on offense. And like you know, you watch Miko Hardman go down, and it looked a lot worse than what it was. Obviously, came um, back into the game, of course, yeah. but yeah. But like using Nada, um, Jeremiah Holloman. I mean, where did that come from? Yeah, that fade that he had on that first touchdown—that was. Whew. That was an NFL throw right there, Jordan Rodgers, yeah, big time. I mean, it's a, and a great catch too. It looked a lot like Wims did last year. So right. it was cool to see them get their their um, you know their swagger back on offense. I was a little bit embarrassed. I was like, what did we talk about for two weeks? Like, why, why did we talk about any of this stuff? <laughs> because everything was fine. And I mean, you know, Fromm goes out there. The thing I think the thing that people always forget is like Fields is supposed to be an incredible talent. You know, number one, number two quarterback in the country coming out of high school, one of the top players overall in the country. But let's not forget, Jake Fromm was a huge recruit and also has already played a full season and led you to a national championship, and he's got all the talent. I mean, I don't know if he has the same kind of like athletic ability or anything like that, but you saw yesterday, I mean, he put up, I think his QBR was like 96.4, was the highest he's had all year, and it's a huge bounce-back game for him. Against a really good Florida defense, too, and we thought yeah. maybe, I think everybody was thinking that that goal line stand that Florida had Holy cow, that was the stuff of legend. If you're a Florida fan after that, you're thinking this game is ours. Even though they held Georgia to a field goal, and Georgia still went up by by two possessions there, I believe. Yeah, that goal line stand. 
people are saying that it was it was six plays, but really it was seven because they had the pass interference right. and other counts as no plays. But Georgia basically gained half a yard and wasted four minutes of the clock in that scenario. And Florida kept getting the backside pressure, and it was Georgia could not do a thing. No. And I thought that while the moment didn't end up being what we thought it would for Florida. And we thought it was going to be this big turning point game and what a big rah-rah moment for the Gators to come back and potentially win this one. I think that moment was still significant because we wouldn't have looked at that last year and thought there was any way that Florida could have a goal line stand against that Florida front. There's no way whatsoever that Florida was on that level at the line of scrimmage that Georgia was. And I thought that that showed progress. If you're a Florida fan and you're trying to take away a positive from this game moving forward, it was nice to see your team not get completely dominated in the trenches because it did last year, and I did not think that that was the case yesterday. No, not at all. I mean, I kept having to reread that stat because it was three minutes and 58 seconds, right? six or seven plays, and it said negative one yard, and I was like, what? Like How how did it take off four minutes off the clock? How did Kirby not settle for a field goal at any point during that? Because they had the automatic first down. Yeah. It just it was it was crazy and like as as well like they I mean they were pretty effective at running the football with like Holyfield and Swift had a big day finally Swift finally went off and especially at the end too where when he gets that foot in the ground man he is he is dangerous when he gets yeah. when he gets some momentum the going upfield tired yeah he was uh, he was electric down the stretch this is a huge win for Georgia a team that uh, Georgia hadn't won a game with both teams being top ten teams since 1983. Right. Well, I mean, they've only had kind of five t- in, the, in the history of it. Still, though, I mean, I, to look at this game as a potential launching point for the rest of the season, Georgia fans are so accustomed to whatever can go wrong kind yeah. of will go wrong in this game. And you thought that goal line stand could have been that moment. You know, there our were producer Mark, Our producer Mark was, was, was texting me earlier being like, I thought that was it for Georgia right there. He's a big Georgia fan. Yeah. And he was saying, like, I, I thought that was the moment that Florida was going to seize control of the game, of the division, all that stuff. Right. And credit Georgia for being able to respond in that moment and being mentally tough in that game. Because that was, you know, in the start of the second half when Felipe Franks comes out and threw that dime to Freddie yeah. Swain. Best best pass I've ever seen from Felipe Franks. That includes the Tennessee <laughs> Hail Mary. I mean, and you're thinking both sides. Right, exactly. I mean, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean, like, you you got to give credit for both sides because I, I thought when you come in that early, Felipe Franks, like, Georgia goes right down the field. They settle for a field goal. Um, you know, Florida gets the ball back. First play, Felipe Flicker. He's wide open. Wide open. Felipe, Beautiful play call. Oh, my gosh. Perfect. And overthrows him. So, you know, and then they fumble two plays later. And you're like, oh, boy. And, like, it's, you know, deep in their own territory. Like, this this could go off the rails pretty quickly. So they go down 10-0, and from then on, it just I kept waiting for Georgia just to bust it open. And, you know, they even, like, at the end of the first half, I don't understand the play call from Kirby selling for the field goal. He's smarter than I am. With two timeouts left, too. I, yeah, that was interesting. Strategery. But, yeah. uh, but no, I mean, you know, I, I went to go shower at halftime, I came back out, and I was like, what just happened? What, like, what just happened? Because it was like a minute 30 into the second half, and, like, Felipe Franks, you know, He's if there's one thing he doesn't lack, it's confidence. And it was pretty impressive to see him and the defense, you know, kind of keep getting back up, keep keep getting back up and then fumbling and throwing the interception. But you could you could tell this one meant a little bit more for Georgia. We, we, we've mm-hmm. talked about Florida and how this is a team that has made better steps than we thought it would in year one of Dan Molinaro. Florida could very easily finish with double-digit wins this season, and all of a sudden you're looking at a team that is a major threat year in, year out. I think that we, we came away thinking that that was still the case, but 
this one for Kirby Smart was big. And yeah. you saw it in the post-game celebration when he's flipping the visor <laughs> around and going crazy. I thought that that was some rare emotion from him, and he knew what this game meant just to be able to keep control of this division, a division that he has not lost a game to since the start of 2017. No team has even gotten within 14 points of Georgia in the division since the start of 2017. A team that is going to try and do that next week and try and do more than just that, Kentucky. Kentucky somehow... Neighbor Terry Wilson comes to the rescue and Unreal. allows the Cats to escape with a win at Mizzou. The, unti- the untimed down touchdown pass to C.J. Conrad. I did not see that coming when, when Kentucky went down 14-3 to in that game, that's for sure. So I, I wrote this down, one of the most like, interesting stats, because I, I thought this was over. I mean, it, like, and you go from, you're flipping back and forth between this like pad-popping, hard-hitting like, grudge match between Georgia and Florida, and then you're going to this slap fest in Como. That was just like, I mean, it was a snooze fest the entire second half. A good defense, like, you know, you got to tip your cap to Kentucky and Mizzou. But, you know, at one, starting in the fourth quarter, they're up 14 to 3. And the FPI probability or win probability for Missouri was, do you want to know what, do you want to guess what it was? Oh, I got it in the notes here, so oh, yeah. I'll just let you say it. 95.3%. Then halfway Gosh. through, halfway through the fourth quarter, with seven minutes and 46 seconds left, it was 96.5. And then even after they gave up the punt return for the touchdown, they got the ball back. With a minute and 41 seconds to go, 95.3. That's, I mean, I it, thought it was it a bad been, call in the end zone, but they should have never been there. Right, yeah. So, Mizzou fans, I understand why you're upset. And you have every right to be. That is a brutal call yeah. to have defensive pass interference in that situation. That sucks. I, I, won't, yeah. I won't sugarcoat it. That, that's a bummer. But think about this. As frustrating as that is, you've got the worst quarterback in the SEC. No offense, neighbor Terry Wilson does tremendous yard work, and we really enjoy him having him in the neighborhood. But 88 yards in 63 seconds he had to get to win that game. And, and he, he did it. Yeah, with a tight end. Yeah. that. I mean... <laughs> That, that's tough to stomach. And, I, and that's going to spoil what was easily the best defensive performance of the Barry Odom era. That was still the fewest points allowed in an SEC game by a Barry Odom defense. And it was a special teams touchdown. It wasn't even an offensive touchdown that Mizzou allowed. Right. And you're thinking to yourself, man, Mizzou finally gets over the hump, gets that win against a ranked opponent that they've looking, been looking for forever. And it won't, nobody will even pay attention to the fact that Drew Locke and the Mizzou offense was horrible in the second half, getting dominated by that Kentucky oh defense. Gosh. You just got out of there with the win. You got it. And then you don't. And now you're sitting there still winless in the SEC, and I think that the people who are calling for Barry Odom's job, I can't blame them. I mean, and honestly, I can't either at this point, and I hate to say that because I, I like Barry Odom as a person. I like him as I a coach. Too. And, and he's, he, you know, he's a good guy, and he cares about Mizzou. Again, you know, the, first and foremost, he really cares about Mizzou. That being said, you know, this, is, this team just goes out of their way to find ways to lose games. They just they don't... You know, like we talked about the Florida Florida Georgia game, there's a few things here and there that Florida didn't do, like you know having the three turnovers, where that loses you a ball game. That's like one part of it, like one part of the game. Mizzou does so much to just hand games away, and like yeah, like I, I we love Terry Wilson, great great guy, great man. Um, we carpool every Thursday. He's I mean. He, 
Why Thursday? Why not any other day? I mean, because like Friday, like I like to have to be with myself, listen to the pod a little bit, you know, and like get all amped <laughs> up. I listen to like pump up music. Terry's like really, he's like more into like R&B and jazz and stuff. Anyway, right. long story. Regardless, when you let somebody like that have a career day, I mean, he goes 13 of 18 in the second half. He had more completions on the, in the first minute and a half on the first drive than he did all last week, which, granted, the bar was set pretty low. But, like, the defense, like, the alignment even, you're, you're, you're playing five, ten yards off the ball, like, in the secondary, and you're just le- – it's not even like a dink and dunk. You're just letting them just torch you. Like, the, the play where Conrad – I think, like, the big chunk play, like, on the final drive, there was no one within 20 yards of him. Can't have that. No. Can't have that. I mean, it's just, they, they go out of their, I mean, the block kick. They go out of their way to find what's lose. And it's, I don't, I honestly don't know if it's, if it's like they, the mentality, they don't know how to win. There's I, something to be said for that. I mean, I, I think Kentucky has finally, has figured out how to win. Yeah. I mean, they win close games. They do what it, it takes to win down the stretch. And I, I want to hit on one more thought with Mizzou. And I think it was kind of lost in the shuffle of how deflating of a loss this was. Yeah. Let's not forget that Kelly Bryant was in the house for this. Of course, the Clemson transfer quarterback. Get a play and if you're Derek Dooley trying to sell to someone who is going to be very highly touted on the transfer market, come play for me in my offense. What you don't want to have is eight straight three eight and outs straight. with Drew Locke to end the game. That was not a good look, I think, for for Derek Dooley and the you know a, a lot of other things are going to contribute to where Kelly right. Bryant ends up. But I did not think that that was a good look, and certainly, of course, not a good look for Drew Locke, who continues to struggle against ranked teams week in week out. You now know, let's first let's quarter he looked con- good. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he looked he's like six or seven. He came out. He you know had a lot of zip on the ball, and again, they were without Emmanuel Hall. But, yeah, I mean, Kentucky does have the best – they have one of the best defenses in the SEC. I get all that. I mean, Josh Sweat was an animal again. 11 tackles, two sacks. I mean, he's – Josh Allen. Josh Allen. What did I say? Josh Sweat. That's okay. Okay. Anyway, so um, Keith Sweat. Montez Sweat, Josh Allen, same same. person. Um, No, Josh Allen had like a monster day. But, I mean, in the second half, you have 49 total yards of offense. And, I mean, they they had five more penalty yards. They had, they had six penalties for 54 yards in the second half. They had five more penalty yards than total yards on offense. And, you know, the defense just kept going back out there and getting stops. And, I mean, Kentucky's 0-3 uh, on fourth downs. I mean, they did everything they could. Still, amazing win for, for Kentucky. We saw in the, the post-game euphoria with, with Mark Stoops doing some crowd surfing. Oh, and I can't blame him for doing some crowd surfing. If I if I got to a two hundred fifty thousand dollar bonus for a win like that, I would do some crowd surfing and then probably you know, uh, you know a few other things. But we'll leave it at that. Go on. Um, <laughs> no, we. I mean, I, I'd give myself. Though. I'd give myself a nice big glass of chocolate milk. That's what that's, I was getting to. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. His contract. You you put. I'm glad you put this in here because. I don't think a lot of people realize this. This is his third straight season with seven-plus wins. By the way, Kentucky is going to have its first winning season in SEC play since 1977. We throw out that number a lot. But the Mark Stoops contract numbers in this are really interesting, and they really, I think they provide a lot of perspective into just what the expectations were when he came in and how he has exceeded those year in, year out. Right. And so if you guys don't know what we're talking about, because I didn't know this until, like, the ins and outs of it until today. This is like a Bobby Bonilla-type contract. This is genius. And it's not like Jimbo where it's like, yeah, give me a whole bunch of money, man. I want all of it. No, this was, like, a very well thought out. And it's kind of fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The way it's set up is, (laughs) so Mark Stoops gets a $250,000 raise. Like in his in his annual contract, 
for every year he's at Kentucky. He also gets an extra year added on, so he gets an extension every year he wins seven or more games. So right now his contract is running through, what, 2023? He's making $5.25 million, so he will be in the $6 million club. Eventually. Yeah. That's, Eventually. I mean, it's incredible, though. $250,000 oh, to win seven games. But that, that is kind of the run-of-the-mill way for a Power 5 surprise team. When you have that big season, it's your job to cash in. And that's, right. I mean, that's what he has been put in position to do. Now, whether or not he's able to get the ultimate victory, which I think pretty much you know next week is the ultimate victory for Kentucky, if yeah. Kentucky can somehow beat Georgia. Uh, now, I, I say that knowing a lot of you Kentucky fans who already reached out to me on Saturday, hating on what I wrote after watching Kentucky and watching Georgia, my takeaway from watching those two games is that Georgia's going to be able to win this game. I know it's at Kroger Field. I don't think Kentucky is going to be able to stay on the field with them for 60 minutes, and I know that goes against a lot of what I've said about Kentucky being on the bandwagon. I picked Kentucky to win outright against Mizzou. I've been saying they haven't been getting enough respect all season. I get all of that. I would love, don't get me wrong, as long as Benny Snell and oh, the man. Snell, yeah, Heisman campaign lasts, which I don't know if it's how, how much steam it has at this point. Well, they took him out. I love Right, they took him out for the unsportsmanlike penalty, and he got heated with the coaches and all that stuff. Um, he, he did go back in, in the game. And by the way, pretty, pretty gutsy move not to give him the ball on the very last play. I was going to say, Tim McCaffrey never made that call, because I mean, you, you should not have run the ball from, from the two-and-a-half-yard line. That was a, a bold move for Kentucky, considering the nature of that offense. But everybody's going to talk about Kentucky is a potential upset pick. The atmosphere is going to be awesome at Kroger Field, as Luke Del Rio always tells us. That is the place you don't get out of alive unless you're him. Um, my word's not his. But I just can't get on board with the idea that Kentucky is going to beat Georgia. After what we saw from the level that Georgia rose to on Saturday, I have a very tough time thinking that Kentucky, with how one-dimensional they still are, is going to be able to move the ball against that defense and that Jake Fromm is not going to be able to move the Georgia offense. I just, t I mean, talk me into a belief that Kentucky could have a sliver of a chance nope, in this game. absolutely not. I mean, and this is not trying to like pile on or, or and throw more doubt or, you know, keep sleeping on Kentucky because you can't take away from how incredible the season's been. Awesome and, season. And, and that win, like, yeah, you got to tip your cap and say, you know, they, they did, they, they played past 60 minutes. Um, they were so bad, and that was not that was a ridiculous pass interference call. The I, offense that was bad. The, yes. the defense balled Terry out. Terry Wilson I mean, played. To have the, he was effective. He was efficient. He he was better than he had been. I mean, and Georgia's not as great up front as I thought they were. Um, they're definitely not as strong as they were in the, in the front seven as they were last year. No, they're not. But I you know I don't think Benny Snell does enough against this defense. I mean, they're one dimensional. They're completely one dimensional. Yeah, they, they still are. And they, with how good that secondary is, that Georgia defense is going to load the box completely, yep. and they're going to try and take him away. They have good enough players on the outside with guys like DeAndre Baker. And, of like course, count. we talk a lot about J.R. Reed. But those, those guys are good enough to where you just stick them in man coverage and really not worry about it and, and you know right. kind of load up and, on stopping Benny Snell. So I don't mean to, to, to sort of rain on the Kentucky parade because – 
I, I love the fact that they're going to play this up all week. They're going to talk about how big of underdogs they are, the respect that they're not getting. I love that Benny Snell clapped back at Scott Van Pelt for saying that Kentucky losing to Mizzou was his lock of the week. I, I love all of that stuff. I'm, I'm here for it. It's, right. it's great theater. CBS is going to love this on Saturday. But I just can't get on board with the idea of Kentucky beating this Georgia team. I no, I mean, it maybe maybe Georgia shows up a little bit hungover because of the big game against Florida and all that kind of stuff, and so on the road, and maybe they don't take him seriously. I mean, Lynn Bowden Jr., if that kid, like, I think it's going to take at least, they're going to have to win the turnover battle for sure, and I think they would have to it, probably score in, like, one of the other phases of the game besides offense. They probably won't score yeah, they're, offense. they're not winning a game where they're, you know, 28-24 or anything no. like that. I mean, that's... If they're winning this game, it's going to be you know something like a, a seventeen to ten. Right. Georgia just can't do anything. Jim Cheney just keeps shooting Georgia in the foot, Jeez, something like man. that. But oh, they, I, he called a heck of a game yesterday. By the way, we didn't talk about that. I love the fact that they kept showing him the in the, like at the end in the fourth quarter. Well, yeah, those those calls. I mean, I think that's a little bit more of. I don't really blame the calls as much. I think that was just Florida being able to, yeah, to get backside pressure, and they, they dominated the line of scrimmage. But Jim Chaney called a heck of a game in some of those key moments, and they showed him uh, they had like a little camera that was up close on him because he's the closest to it yeah. when they show him in the booth, and he was on a different level yesterday. He was very pumped. Well, just, he will have I mean, a lot of things wearing, prepared by the way? Kentucky defense. I feel like every day like, it's like a dry fit, but it's like he's a big guy, so it's like, it looks like a pool tarp. I want, I want in on that. <laughs> I want in on that swag and that style. And also, what you just said about Jim Chaney calling a good game, I didn't hear any Georgia fans say that yesterday. Nope. Not, nope. not one. He's an easy guy to blame when, when things aren't going well. Somebody but I, I actually said they wanted Bobo credit. back. And I was like, all right, well, that is the end of our conversation, sir. That's, yeah. God dang uh, it, Bobo! Real quick, what do you think ends up being a closer game, Georgia-Kentucky, Bama-LSU? I, hate <laughs> <laughs> I love that you rolled your eyes right when so I said hard. that, too. Uh, I'll say Bam LSU. You think Bam LSU is the closer game? I mean, yeah, because, I mean, Kentucky's defense is really good. Wait, what? Yeah. that probably contradicts what I just said. I I don't want to – you know, it's too early in the week for me to, like – Yeah, it's too early. We'll talk about that more later on. Glasses off. I, don't, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll save that one for, for later. Um, let's, let's go to uh, another SEC game that – we thought was going to be really, really close, competitive, tight, um, but it ended up being Mississippi State. Mississippi State's offense played its best game of the season, beating Texas A&M um, in Starkville. That place was rocking. Nick Fitzgerald with the ultimate high haters game, big time performance out of the senior quarterback. That was ridiculous. So I dug this up um, from a man named Bill Martin on uh, on Twitter. Bill, Bill Martin is their uh, shout out. Bill Martin, he's uh, Mississippi State's SID. What's up? What's up, Bill? Don't worry about the I, SID. If, think, if it's the if it's the same one, I no, mean, I would assume. I'm but, sure it is. Don't worry about the SID. Yeah. It happens, they go away. So anyway, we're moving on. Um, <laughs> so Nick Fitzgerald, we talked about how bad he was, you know, especially in conference games. He ranked last among starting quarterbacks in six of the eight passing categories um, in the SEC. Real, I mean, he's real bad. Zero real touchdowns. Bad. I mean, all that. Going up against the most improved defense in the country. So, fun fact about Nick Fitzgerald. He balls out against Texas A&M. Career, he is 3-0 and all time against uh, Texas A&M. Every single time, Mississippi State has been unranked and A&M has been ranked. Uh, he's 11 total touchdowns, including six passing. All three 
uh, multiple passing touchdowns. Who is this? Like, wh- I don't know. It must be the uniform. He sees he sees another team in maroon, and he's like, you know what? Hey, I can throw the ball. I I, I can throw the ball to anybody in maroon. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> so easy. Uh, so easy. Uh, 966 total yards. He's averaging 322 total yards per game against them. Remember how Go bad figure. he was a week ago and the week before that and the week before that? Yeah, he played at that, that run that he had to, to, to put a cap on it was a huge moment for him to be able to, to, to get uh, you know, that kind of welcoming after all the talk all week was about how's Keaton Thompson going to be used? We talked about it because yeah. that was a big storyline. Joe Moorhead said that he was going to be used, and he was. And he did come in for a series in the second quarter. And then Joe Moorhead was like, you know what? Nick Fitzgerald is, is kind of playing really well right yeah. now, and we'd be foolish to take him out, take him out of his rhythm. We think we actually have something good going here. Uh, Stephen Guidry and uh, Osiris Mitchell finally giving him some help. We've talked a lot about Nick Fitzgerald not being able to um, just be accurate in the passing game, but he hasn't had help from receivers. No, I mean, that's not at been all. obvious. And he got help yesterday. They played extremely well in this passing game on a day where they did not have a healthy Kylan Hill. Did a whole lot of good things. And I know that's an AM passing defense that has not been nearly as good right. as their rushing defense. But I think that getting Mississippi State balanced and looking like what we thought they could look like in the beginning of the season is a huge sigh of relief for, for Joe Moorhead moving forward. He's not going to have to hear nearly the, the talk that he was going to have to hear if they started one and four in SEC play. Right. I mean, because he was, it's not just like, yeah, he wasn't getting a lot of help from his receivers, but he was so inaccurate, just so grossly inaccurate. And you don't expect that from a senior quarterback. Like, figure it out, man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was an impressive, impressive win. I, You know, Vegas, I don't know what happened yesterday. I don't know what they were doing. Uh, everything was fishy. Was not happy. Not happy with Vegas. But, yeah, I mean, what a win for Mississippi State. And, you know, and another, another part of it, like, I guess – the defense has been great for AM. Kellen Mond's been great on offense, but if there's one weakness that just keeps rearing its ugly head, that offensive line giving up 26 sacks this year. Yeah, can't happen. No. Can't happen. It's the worst in the SEC. It, it's like 119 in the country. And I know part of that is because Kellen Mond, he, he can operate out of the pocket and sometimes he takes sacks that he probably shouldn't take, but that's been one of the big offseason priorities with Jimbo Fisher is. He wants him getting rid of the ball quickly. He does not want him holding onto the ball, right. being indecisive. And oh, Jimbo Fisher hand. said, <laughs> Jimbo Fisher said afterwards that um, he didn't get any help from his receivers. There were there were key drops yeah, in this game. There were. AM did not exactly set itself up to win. Um, this is still a game, though, that if you're an AM fan, you're kind of frustrated because this is the first time where you lost to a team that you thought you should have beat and did not necessarily have the performance that you felt good about going into the following week. So AM is going to try and rebound uh, in SEC play here. Still a tough stretch left. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. Everybody in this division, yeah. it feels like, still has a tough stretch. At least one or two like marquee tough games left. I thought it was baffling that Kirk Herbstreit said beforehand that if AM wins out, that they're going to be going to the playoff. Well, I'm sorry, uh, what happened? Yeah, Kirk Herbstreit said that on game day, that if AM won out... And you know, starting with last night, that they would have made the playoff, which is a, a wild take considering they lost their two biggest chances to get quality wins. Um, obviously, they still have LSU on the schedule, but yeah, you lose to Ben on Clemson. I, well, I, we just I see have two losses. Like those are those are good losses, I guess, but they're they're losses. They're yeah, and lo- that's <laughs> that's <laughs> something to remember too. We're going to talk more about the playoff stuff, but it's quality of wins. Right. It's not just the loss. It's not yeah, just the Andy, loss. Remember that we barely lost to Notre Dame. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I completely agree. I just, I mean, 
they, I mean, they're still in the top 25. But, yeah, like, you know, going happened. into this week, ESPN, like, like their FBI projections for um, each game, they had them favored. They had A&M favored to beat LSU in the last game of the year, like 51%. Mm, don't like that. No, <laughs> nope. Don't like that. Nope. Um, yeah, but A&M and Mississippi State, even though they played each other last night, they are the only two teams with three losses ranked in the AP poll. How about that? Uh, Mississippi State, because Mississippi State got its second win against a ranked opponent, uh, both of which were by double digits and at home. But All hell is broken loose in the AP poll. Utah State's in there. <laughs> Utah State went from unranked to like 18th. Gosh. You know who they played yesterday? Did you hear the story? We'll get, we, I got to talk about it. Get it off my chest. They played in New Mexico. And a player from New Mexico missed the game because of his oh, sister's yeah, I wedding. I. That's bold. I mean, what? I'm what an a hole his sister is. <laughs> they were down like thirty-five to three in like the first quarter, though, so probably a good move. Nick Fitzgerald had one of the performances that I thought led into the theme of the week, which was big-time bounce-back performances by veteran quarterbacks or quarterbacks who are at least under siege by their own fan bases, and understandably so. That should have been the theme. Um, right. We talked about Terry Wilson, of course, and, and Fitzgerald and, and Jake Fromm, people who they're all calling for the backups. Jake Bentley, how about that second-half performance from him in a game where you're down 21-9 to at home, you're against a defensive-minded coach, and you can you can hear it. I mean, I'm sure that he could hear the, the murmurs of... The boos. Let's, yeah, the boos. Let's get threat-level midnight Michael Scarn in the game. But he responded in a big-time way and did exactly what Will Muschamp could have hoped for in yeah. that moment, where that would have been... Losing to Jeremy Pruitt would not have been a good look good for Will Muschamp, especially at home. I mean, I was really, really surprised. I mean, not that Tennessee was going to be in the game or keep it close, but, like, the way they came out and were, I don't want to say dominating, but, like, having their way early with, with South Carolina, that was really impressive. And, and Garantano is quietly becoming one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Especially on the road. His road numbers, I think he's second in the conference on, on the road in completion percentage, like 68%, and has like seven touchdowns, no picks. He's been, like, especially against ranked teams, like when they need him most. I'm not going to count the Florida game or the Bama game. <laughs> yeah, the, the touchdown, the early touchdown pass to Juwan Jennings where oh, Juwan Jennings then puts the ball right on the stomach of the South Carolina. That kid is going to make back. so much money in the NFL, <laughs> and I just hope he gets on a good team because he you can just tell he is over it. <laughs> like, he is not happy. No prisoners. But, yeah, we will uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take a step back from our Michael Scarn talk because Jake Bentley came up clutch, and now, okay, you're, you're shaking nope, your head. No down. chance. You're still, yeah, Jake okay. Chrysler 300M. I mean – he had an okay game. No, I mean statistically speaking, it wasn't it wasn't his best. But I thought the way that he responded down the stretch, yeah, I agree with and that. made some big time conversions for that team to keep drives alive. That that's what you expect a veteran quarterback to do. By the way, that touchdown catch from Debo Jeez. Samuel was ridiculous. See, and that's so one reason I don't for that. like. I'm not really that. Imp- I don't want to say I'm not impressed because like yeah, he, he he showed up when he had to, and like it was a great comeback. But like you should have never been in this position. You're playing Tennessee right. at home. You had a week off. You, and, like, you have so many weapons on that offense. Our good friend Tom Hart had the call on that uh, Debo Samuel touchdown. I thought that was great. Debo! Um, shout out to Tom Hart, by the way. Uh, he made, he, as we said before, he makes Saturday night in the SEC yep. interesting. Always. That's what he does. He is the Gus Johnson of the SEC. Quarterbacks bounce back in a big, big week. Our guy, Ty Story, did not bounce back. Well, I mean, it's tough because when you you got to put up that many points, 
uh, Arkansas, Janadan Chavis, uh, his defense didn't exactly give Ty Story a favorable position to be able to win that 45 points to Vanderbilt. It's, it's tied for the most, most amount of points Vanderbilt has scored in the last five years against an SEC opponent. I mean, Gosh. I, and I understand, like, Arkansas's rebuilding all that kind of stuff, but, like, they came out early, went right down the field and scored. Like, you're at home. You're also playing Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt. Can't say it enough. It's Vanderbilt. And just, you know, I, it was – they're bad. It's real bad. Keyshawn Vaughn is the only player, or at least he was at the time that he accomplished his feat, only player in the SEC with multiple Multiple, rushing touchdowns of 60-plus yards. He's been a difference maker for for that team, and I'll I'll be interested to see if he can sort of, you know, lead an upset down the stretch because he was was dominant yesterday um, in what was the ultimate something had to give game. Oh, my God, he's going to rush like 400 yards. Kyle Schirmer is going to be back up. It's like number one in Jordan Rodgers' power rankings after that Ole Miss game. Uh, Vandy gets to ride into the bye week. By the way, sorry all you Vandy fans who who chirped at me in the beginning of the season when I did my crystal ball and I didn't have Vandy winning a single SEC game. You got that one. Yeah, you got it. There you go. Congratulations, you guys. And uh, how about Rakeem Boyd? Rakeem Boyd looked pretty good. He did. I I, I think that he is becoming. He's going to become a fixture in this conference and yeah. one of those guys that isn't going to get national love, but people within the conference are going to realize that he's worth game planning for. Uh, just the, the breakaway speed, as we saw from yeah. watching him on Last Chance U, is still prevalent uh, at Arkansas. The other thing it's worth game planning for um, is uh, defending the screen pass. Um, optional. That's, <laughs> that's, I mean, if you've been in the league for 30 years, Jan, probably something you want to Google. Can we think about this possibility? Rakeem Boyd, Kelly Bryant tandem next year? At just Mizzou? out there. No, 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 no. That'd be legit. I, I, I think that makes that, that makes Arkansas a whole lot more interesting. Jalen Hurts playing wide receiver. What? <laughs> Let's talk to. Uh, we got to talk to you guys uh, about our friends over at Hood Hat. Yes, Hood Hat. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Hood Hat. They are a hot new hat company out of LA. They sell luxury snapback hats. Yes, snapback hats. Yeah, you wear them all the time. You're probably Snapbacks wearing one. Snapbacks and tattoos. Yeah, that's what we all have, I assume. Um, They just launched their Legend Collection, which includes college football towns of SEC schools like Athens for the Dogs, College Station for A&M, you've got Davis Wade for Mississippi State, Death Valley, Jordan-Hare, et cetera, et cetera. This is a totally different way to rep your favorite team. Support your local school school or alma mater and its hood by going to hoodhat.com. We're going to give you a discount code that's Hood USA, H O O D USA. You're going to get 20% off all your orders. That's hoodhat.com. Click the legend collection and use Hood USA for 20% off. Also, make sure you give them a follow on Instagram at hoodhatusa. You're going to get more discounts, product reviews, and the to be, feature, to be featured items that they've got coming out. Definitely want to do that. Let's talk playoff. We've got playoff, playoff poll coming out on Tuesday. Yes, it is that time of Thank year. Thank God. November is upon us. We're going to have a Halloween episode, don't get me wrong, but we will also have a lot of playoff recap, SEC division title game preview stuff. But I want to get your prediction for what you think the top four is going to look like on Tuesday night that we will all debate endlessly and get way too mad about. Okay, so here's here's the thing about the playoffs. Um, First of all, it's playoff. It's well, year five of this. We, we can get that right. We can get that right, whatever. What is it that Danny Cannell always says? It's not a playoff, it's a... I don't know. It's a UCF. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, shout out to Florida State for a hell of a game this weekend. Moving on. So I feel like they always try to get a little bit too cute with it. 
Like they're trying to like prove. It's like if I, when I try to like pronounce Deuteronomy. Like if I just like threw in like Deuteronomy in like casual conversation, I feel like that's what the the playoff committee always does. The first week, it's like, yeah, A and M. We think they're one of the best teams. Top four, dude. And you then, tried to throw out Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Boom. I can't even. Say, I can't even say it, but I didn't try and say it to Tebow. That was kind of you were yeah, asking for. I, it my that head one. got really discombobulated right after that. That's probably what happened. Yeah. But anyway, back to getting like too cute with stuff. I. They've never had an ACC. No, I'm sorry, a, a Big Twelve or a Pac-12 team in the initial rankings in the top. Four. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. I mean, but I, I mean, really, who would it be? Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, if you if you go back to 2016, everybody, the, as you talked about with A&M, A&M was in there and undefeated, and Washington wasn't. Right. And right. that was the, the, the big surprise in, in the first poll. I don't know if we're going to get a big surprise in the top four. No, um, I, the only thing that I could see being a surprise is, are they going to, because the, the way, like, Notre Dame's undefeated, right? Like, they might bump Notre Dame number two. I could see that happening. Over Clemson? I mean, just again, just because it's Notre Dame, they play. It's they, Clemson. They have though. a quality win. Yeah, but like, who's Clemson's quality win? Syracuse Clemson's quality win is is well. I mean, they won at A and M. Is that's their their non conference yeah. win? Beating the tar out of NC that's State. Fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like Notre Dame beat Navy yesterday, dude. Do you see that? On a I ship mean, Notre, in San Diego. Notre Dame also Notre Dame beat Michigan. So let's not. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I I feel like they. Those two could be interchangeable, but like LSU with the loss, they're still getting in with that schedule, I would think, over Michigan because they played a much tougher oh, yeah. schedule. So no I think LSU is definitely going to be at four. I think they might get cute with it at two and three. Um, but I would assume it's going to be, you know what, I would say Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and then uh, LSU. Okay, I have a, a different thought on that. Bama will be number one, that much we know. Clemson will be number two. I think LSU is going to be number three. And I think number four will be Notre Dame. What if and, Notre Dame's number one? <laughs> uh, we'll, we should come up with some sort of bet. Um, gosh, I, I will go to Mass every day this week. 6 a.m. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. How about you go? How about your mom's Mass? How about you, you make the commute and go, all, go all, the, all the way out to South Carolina? Do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can talk about it. We'll figure it out. All right. Well, Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Mom. Um, by the way, she is a great follow. On She's Twitter. awesome. What's her Twitter handle? What's your mom's Twitter so handle? So apparently she has two Twitter handles because she likes and retweets everything I tweet from both of them. She's the ultimate That's hype burner. man. It's her burner <laughs> account. Yeah, my mom has a burner <laughs> account. Uh, it's like Pastor Patty Sue one. Pastor, I don't, I mean, she's she's Sharon, been on a roll lately. I love it. Sharing the gospel one tweet at a time. She retweeted uh, something about that I wrote um, way too late in the evening about a woman from Twister, the movie. She was like, that's true, Chris. I was like, mom, go to sleep. <laughs> All right, my top four, I think Bama comes in at number one. Oh, I already, I already said my top four, didn't I? Yeah, I yeah. think LSU comes in at number three and then Notre Dame at, 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 number, at number four. Um, here's, here's why. Much like they did a couple years ago with a and I think they like being able to say, if you played a quality non-conference team and you won, yeah, we like showing at least early on that that matters to us. Miami now, sucks. Notre Dame. Notre Dame is in a different. Notre Dame is in a different scenario. And I understand Miami has has faded off. At the time, they were billed as a big time non conference opponent, a top ten non conference opponent. They love looking at just. They don't like people just assuming that it's about zero wins and one loss, and we're just going to rank in order of how many wins and losses you have. 
that matters, but I think that they are going to pay attention more to what the just the flat resume looks like. And LSU's is better than Notre Dame's, right. even though LSU has the one loss. But we'll see. I, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see LSU at number four, but I, I think LSU comes in at number three. I think it sets up a one versus three matchup next Saturday, but um, the tough four really doesn't matter a whole lot. I think those four, we feel really good about them all being in there. The team that I think is going to be overrated in the poll is going to be Ohio State. And that's kind of par for the course. Um, but I just think that Ohio State is getting way too much love. Uh, still in the AP poll, even. Um, I think people are holding on to a little bit too much preseason stuff with them, even though basically their only quality win is at Penn State that they pulled out very, very late. And, and the Penn last State time we saw them. Penn State won yesterday against Iowa, so they do. The Penn State is still a two-loss team, but yeah, I mean, Penn State is not like you know an elite win by right. any stretch of the imagination. Also, they were losing that game at one point, fourteen to three, and four of the fourteen points, which is twenty-nine percent of the points, were scored on safeities. That's, <laughs> that's, that's I hate that's so big ten. Football. I love it so man. much. I love it. Um, how about a team that's going to be underrated? I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? Kentucky's going to be underrated without a doubt. Really yeah. Soon. Yeah. I mean, they have the 27th uh, uh, best strength of schedule. Yeah, I can believe that. I mean, the, the strength of records where they're going to be in trouble. Because it's not like they've been winning, like, emph- I mean, I get what they did at Florida, but they haven't really been winning, like, emphatically. No, but you still have the Mississippi State win. Let's not forget about that. And you won won both of those games by double digits. Yeah. So it's I, I understand, you know, people are going to say, well, they're only beating Vandy by a touchdown and all that stuff. But they do have that. And the fact that while losses are not the end-all, be-all, their loss was against a ranked team on the road in right. overtime. So um, I think Kentucky ends up being outside of the top 10 to start, and I think that only fuels into this whole narrative that Kentucky's not getting enough respect. I can I can get on board with that. Um, speaking of not getting enough respect, oh God. we're going to hear so much about UCF. Brace yourself, all SEC fans. Luke Del Rio, I know you're excited for this, but it's going to be rough. UCF is going to start in the top 10, and we're going to have a – firestorm on Twitter of people back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I mean, they, they should start in the top 10. They should. They're, they're a good football team. They could put up some points. Like, they, they've won 20 in a row. They should start in the top 10. I think they're one of the top 10 to 15 teams in the country. However, they don't However. play anyone. They don't play anyone. Bama's they haven't like, played They haven't played anyone, and their end-of-season end of schedule is much better than their beginning-of-season schedule. But why? Because they got South Florida, who got beat point. by 21 yesterday? Right, exactly. Yeah, and they played um, Memphis on the road, who got just, like, boat-raced by Mizzou. I mean... No, they, they already played Memphis. I'm talking about their, their, their future schedule. Yeah, I could argue right. both sides of the coin with this. So with UCF, do it. Please do this. I, w- I would love to do this. Which, which side do you want me to I'm going to go against UCF. You can take the pro-UCF pro side. Um, all right. You're an idiot. So let's go, Boom. Let's go pro. Let's go pro UCF for for a second here. Um, First thing I'm gonna do is insult my looks uh, and make sure you're tweeting all this. We shouldn't be talking about it like back and forth. It should only be through tweets. This is the part where I'm supposed to throw out some stuff about a 20 game winning streak and how what they did against Auburn should matter. We're living rent free in your head, commu- dude. We're living rent free. All y'all talk about is us. My God. Yeah, they are uh, an interesting bunch. By the way, that sign on College Game Day yesterday with Herb Street, like basically with the you know the hat to the side and him making a, a dumb face. How old are you? Like really? How old are you, UCF fans? Like that's your way of getting everybody's attention and trying to look like a big boy. Give me a break. I just love they have the, the game day takeover. That they they did not put all over on. I mean, like, and then they said they said part partially it was because they were getting all these like physical threats and harmful threats from Florida fans. 
Have you ever been in any kind of communication or any kind of back and forth with a UCF fan on the internet? That's oh, all yeah. they do. That is all they do. It's annoying. I, I, I mean, I if they were, they're an annoying bunch. Yeah, I'll they, say that. And all I have, like I have fake friends. diamond earrings, and they're all named Tevin. They just they all dress like the Brian. What's his name from uh, the second Fast and Furious? So they all look like every single one that's of them. A, that's a reference that you're never going to get me to. You're not going to. You're not going to give me that alley oop, and I'm going to dunk that one home. Let's just say <laughs> yeah. that. That's, Orange that's County never Choppers. Um, real quick, we're going to get uh, into some playoff stuff a lot on Wednesday, but this is just some facts that they threw out on College Game Day that are really important to remember because we we get obsessed with this and we tend to think that every team is going to win out. Not going to happen. No. So, quick hitting facts here. Only three teams have made the college football playoff as unbeaten teams. That was 2014 Florida State, 2015 Clemson, 2016 Alabama. None of them won the title. Ohio State... Number 16 in the initial rankings in 2014. Now, there are a lot of extenuating circumstances with that. You have to have one loss, all that stuff, whatever. Number three team in the initial rankings has never made the playoffs. So we talked about whether or not it's going to be, you know, Notre Dame or, or LSU. So, geez, that, that basically means that you're, you're done right then and there. Um, don't even try the rest of the season. You already threw out the one about no Big 12 team or Pac-12 team being ranked in the initial top four. That is baffling. Still cannot get over that. Um, how about this? Six teams have reached the playoff despite an October loss, and five, including your Alabama Crimson Tide, have gotten there with a November loss. Yeah, uh, to be fair, if if they would have not gone over Ohio State, Ohio State would have also got in with the November loss. Very true. Ohio that. State did not deserve to get into no, that field last not at all. year. Let's. Um, and then last stat, just so that I don't look like the biggest UCF um, fan. Yeah, in the say world. it, Tevin. Uh, UCF is number 127 in strength of schedule. What? I heard number so. one, dude. I heard number one. <laughs> Idiots. Let's go to Chili's. Let's play, let's play America's favorite game. It's the Stairway to Heaven Chili's. Oh, let's God. not forget that. Uh, let's let's play everybody's favorite game. Guess those Week 10 lines. We do already know at least one of these. I'm not sure if the has the uh, the Georgia-Kentucky line come out yet. I'm not telling you. Uh-oh. All right. I might have to guess that then. Um, but let's start with, uh, with A&M Auburn. What do we think that line is going to look like for a couple of teams with three losses in the SEC West? All right, so it's at Auburn. Mm-hmm. It's another, another 11 a.m. kickoff. Ooh. Um, Auburn's coming off a bye, and A&M's coming off that loss. I am going to say Auburn three and a half. I like that. Yeah, I was thinking... I was thinking Auburn four and a half. That's, um, that's not bad either. Yeah. We should write these down. I am. Although, after last week's um, horrible misguess with... Uh, with Mizzou? With Kentucky Mizzou. Goodness. You texted me right when that line came out. And you're like, what? What is happening here? Is this a typo? Um, yeah, no, I, I think it'll be somewhere right around the three, four, or five range. Um, South Carolina at Ole Miss. Ole Miss also coming off of a bye playing a South Carolina team that might have figured some things out down the stretch in the fourth quarter, but still kind of a big mystery to me, um, and really not a team that likes to run the ball very much, which is usually a, a pretty good thing to do yesterday. against They looked a little bit better, Rico Dowell. That, that is true. Is there is Ole Miss favored in this one? So that's a good question. I think they I think they would be. Like, It's the first time they've played each other nine years. 
I don't think, like, Ole Miss's defense is just so bad, but I don't think that Carolina does anything, like, good enough, especially away from home, that would make you think they're going to beat them. They just like South Carolina. Yeah. Let's not forget that that was, like, what was it, a nine-and-a-half-point spread for Tennessee, and we both looked at that and thought, yeah, no way, that crazy. is way too much. I think South Carolina is one-and-a-half, one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I see. I disagree. I think I think it's a pick 'em, but I think uh, it swings into Ole Miss's favorite by by two and a half. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, the the fact Ole Miss coming off a bye. Um, yeah, there's something to be said for that. But it's also an 11 a.m. kickoff. Another one. That's true. The tough thing with Ole Miss, though, that's going to be really tough for odds makers is how does this team play down the stretch without a postseason berth to play for? Yeah, I don't that's know. a tough thing to take into account because they could have games where. They get off to a bad start and they just shut it down. And I'm not I'm not accusing any Ole Miss player of quitting or anything like that. I by no, no say, stretch say of their name. <laughs> Chad Kelly. AJ, no, I'm kidding. Um, but that you just never know. You never know when you get in this yeah. situation. Two straight years without a postseason berth because of the sanctions, of course. I just that's a tough thing to be able to have in the back of your mind, knowing that that postseason berth is not going to happen, and their right. bowl game is essentially the Egg Bowl. So something worth following as we get into these, you know the. The, the home stretch here, but uh, do we want to save this for? Let's say let's save this for for later. Um, let's go to Mizzou and Florida. Florida coming off of a tough loss. Both teams coming off of tough yeah. losses. Uh, had high hopes, let down. Neither of these teams are playing for uh, a division title like they hoped for at this time of the year. But Florida probably, I would assume, is a significant favorite in this one. I would say Florida by six and a half. That's exactly what I was going to say. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. I mean, like six to six and a half. Like seven seems like a lot just because you're trying to entice like the, the betters. Um, I mean, you you almost want to say, like, would it be more than that? Like seven and a half maybe because Mizzou, like, like one, that offense doesn't have a lot of strengths, but it's not going to – like I don't see what their offense does like in this road environment and also against that defense. But, I, yeah, I would say six and a half. This is, uh, this is not a good matchup for Drew Locke against that defense where he is going to see pressure on pressure yeah. on pressure. A defense that's going to be angry after the way it let up more points than it had all year against Georgia. Yeah, I would, I would tend to think that maybe that line will even go up a little bit during the week. Right. Charlotte, Charlotte. a.k.a. Charlotte, uh, at Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt coming off of a, a tough game to let slip away uh, at williams Bryce. Tennessee will be favored in this one. That much we know. Jared Garantano, probably worth more points originally than we were expecting in this right. matchup just because they've been able to... I think Tyson Helton has some things figured out. I haven't looked into Charlotte that much, I'll be honest. So, so Charlotte I'm, I'm was Phil Steele's, uh, one of his picks of the week yesterday to go upset um, Southern Miss, and they did on the road. Ooh, Actually, so, no, I think it was at Charlotte. That's okay, also so, where Joe Tereshinsky is an assistant coach. Good to know. That's really good to know. 13? Um, so I would say... I would say 14 and a half. Probably 14 yeah. and a half. Um, just because, I mean, like, again, you're trying to, like, find, like, like entice people to actually bet on the lines. So if it's 13, you're going to have a lot more people that are just going to jump onto Tennessee true, true. Um, for the two touchdowns. So I would, yeah, I would say, like, 14. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, like, 16 and a half, 17. Yeah, that could, that could be. Because the mean, offense has put up, I mean, it's looked better. 
Yeah, it's, it, and it put up points on the road too, which is a, a good sign, obviously, moving forward for them. Yeah. Uh, another another non-conference game for an SEC team, Louisiana Tech at Mississippi State. The suddenly potent Mississippi State offense going to be favored on this one. The question is by how much. I would tend to think that because of how good the defense is, really, right. that this spread is going to end up looking bigger than we expected it to. Um, did it? Yeah, Mississippi State last year went to went to Louisiana Tech. And yeah, like fifty-two. Um, <laughs> On that was the, road. the infamous. Uh, yeah, it was like the third and eighty-eight where they had that wild oh, fumble that went. Yeah, that play was bananas. Um, Twenty-four point favorite. Ooh, that's a lot. I'm gonna say twenty-one. Okay. Twenty-one for Mississippi State. Are you Are you actually writing these down? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Of course. We haven't done that once. <laughs> Every time it's like basically the way this works is if we get one right, we're like, man, we're so good at this. We get this right. <laughs> we missed the other six. Who cares? Um, yeah, let's, uh, okay, our two headliner games of the week. First, let's do Georgia at Kentucky. This is going to be a big point of emphasis in that locker room. And I, maybe maybe this spread has already come out while we're recording this, but I think Kentucky fans are going to be very much waiting for this just so they can play up how much disrespect they're going to have to talk about this week. I'm going to say Georgia is favored to win by... Uh, Fifteen. So, that's, oh, that's not bad. I, I think it'll be... I mean, Kentucky's the number 11 team in the country. They're on the road. I'm, I'm going to say 13. Georgia's on the road, not Kentucky. Yeah, I know. Kentucky, but I'm saying, like, yeah. Georgia's on the road at Kentucky. Um, yeah, yeah. It's definitely going to be double digits. I'm going to say 13. What did you say, 15? Yeah. I said 15, yeah. Yeah, because you would tend to look at the, the results of the, the Florida Georgia game, yeah. Georgia-Florida game, whatever you want to call it, and think, well, you won by 19 points there, and Georgia was only a touchdown favorite in that one. Um, yeah, that's... It'll be interesting to see how that line moves. Yeah, I don't know how much movement there is going to be on that one because I think you kind of know what you, how you feel about Kentucky and you know how you feel about Georgia, barring some injury news in the middle of the week or something like that. But big one that we've been talking about for a long time, Bama, LSU, something that has probably been... We, we, well, we heard the, the initial line. The initial line in this game was what, 14? 14. Okay. So the question is, what does this line end up at by the time kickoff rolls around in Baton Rouge? Because there are going to be probably a lot of things during the week that make you think one thing, and then you go the other with all you know potential bulletin board material, you know the Devin White stuff, all the factors that can lead into whether or not this game is close. Um, I, I think we we find a lot of insight about that during the week. So I do think this line is going to move. Um, maybe a, a couple points, maybe you know three points, something like that. But I think that Bama ends up being favored by 16.5 points. See, I, I think it goes the other way. I think it's going to end up being 11.5. Uh, wow. So I think it's at 14 now. I think it'll end up going at 11.5. And and 16.5 so many points. I know. I know, but it's – I mean, it's, it's this offense. And it's – I think that – not having Devin White in that first half when you have Tua and coming off of a bye and getting a chance to get that knee healthy. Like, I mean, he said he's healthy and all that stuff. Right. I think that that would induce probably the most action. You'd have a lot of people taking LSU, but this is still just a Bama offense that is as quick hitting as any in the country. And um, I know that sounds like so much for this game that has been historically very low scoring, but this is still a different breed of, of offense. And that's not to hate on LSU because I think that secondary, as I've said many times, 
best in the country, but good offense beats good defense, and I think that's what's going to end up happening in this one. That's fair. Yeah. It's early. It's early. We'll get to the prediction on Wednesday. All right, Edward. Is he here? Can we? Yeah, coming. Oh, he had plenty of time. Man, to... he's got a he's got a lay on. Oh my he gosh. is feeling himself. All right, yeah, all right, take wow. over. Here you go. Wow. How you doing, Connor? I don't care how you do it. Don't, 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 don't. In the eye of the tiger, in the thrill of the fight, I will to the child. I won't make it quick. Cocho, over under two and a half shirts that you go through, uh, just in this game from the moment that you arrive at the stadium. Kai ain't gonna wear a shirt. First off, first off, I'm gonna have free Devin White tattoo on my bare chest. Might shave my chest hair into it. I don't know. Either way. Now, I'm here to tell you about uh, we have bye week. We have a big game coming up, Dev Valley, their weekend. Okay? Uh, Alabama coming to town, tie rolling in, um, all that. Okay? I did a little recon, a little research, a little background check the weekend on the bye week. I went to Hawaii. You ever been to Hawaii? Not yet. Hoping to someday, Coach. Hoping to. La Vowel. La Vowel in that name. Okay? Everyone there looked like The Rock. But if he was like a meth head. Anyway. So we there um, learned a lot about the culture. The luau, I wore a coconut bra. Very nice. That being said, that little place got some culture. Baton Rouge. Okay? Trying to drink all these fruit fruit drinks. Only good thing ever come out of Hawaii is Dog the Bounty Hunter. Everybody know that. Everybody know that. Everybody know that, Connor. I ain't saying two ain't good. I'm just saying, if you put Dog the Bounty Hunter in that offense, I think he puts up the same numbers. It's a bold take. I mean, really it bold is. Take. It, I mean, it definitely is. You know, it's, it's a hot take. That's how I like my food. That's how I like my women. That's how I like my life, Connor. We're going we gonna, to, listen, we're going to tone back down. Me and Chris still on vacation. We're going to get manicure, pedicure today. Um, still going to get bottom of mimosas, all that good stuff. Regardless, on Wednesday, we got a little present for you. I'm going to be dressing up for Halloween. Okay? A little scary, a little scary story stuff. You know I'm dressing up as, Connor? I'm going to you you pretty much are a costume, as you are. But I mean, we say it like that, it seems kind of rude. Uh, dressing up as a centaur, because I was raised by centaurs. So Wednesday, I have a little prediction for you. Okay? Get it? All right. You have a good day, Connor. Dump! Dump, dump, dump! All right, well, that was a lot. So, Wait, Co- Cocho said he had a prediction for us, and he didn't he get He said he's going to do it on Wednesday. Any... You don't ever oh, listen to it. Oh, he's going to do it on Wednesday. Okay, all right. All right. Unbelievable. Just How about that, that comment about The Rock? Yeah, that was pretty offensive. I mean, goodness gracious. Man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, you know, who wouldn't like looking like The Rock and being like 6'4", 280 pounds of just In pure supply mass? supply muscle and meth. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I get it. I don't, know what, I don't know where he went in Hawaii. I feel like he didn't go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. I feel I like he went to like a bad part of L.A. or Mexico. Maybe my neck of the woods in Florida. Also, that's true. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's close things out with it might mean too much. This isn't the most. Um, this isn't the, the craziest thing. I'll, I should start with this. That Florida fan that they showed in college game day who had the whole face painted oh my and the gosh. neck painted like the Gator. That was terrifying. That was. I don't know if that yeah. was a Halloween thing or if that was just you're a Florida fan. You wanted to, to rep whatever. That was a little, that was a little too much. Way was, too much. 
a little a little bit too much. By the way, the people who also got their um, they they had people with shaved heads who were getting SEC logos painted into the back of their heads. You know, might mean too much. Yeah. Don't need to get conference logo in the back of your at head. all. Just throwing that or out pull there against every other team in the conference. Yeah, um, maybe wait till bowl season till you do that. I, I don't know. Just just a thought. Uh, this though, South Carolina trolled Tennessee after squeaking out a victory. By the way, didn't even cover the spread. Right. Um, tr- trolled Tennessee on Twitter uh, with a lost in the storm tweet with like a Tennessee you know logo buried into the sand because sandstorm people forget that they do that there. Right. No, nobody forgets that because they play it constantly. By the way, seven times a game. Can we get whoever does the the controls of the the Gamecock guy, girl, whoever it is, Hockey? child? I, I, no, no, no. Whoever does the control for that sound in that game has to take it down a notch. You're doing it for like. They get oh, like five that, yards on that thing. Yeah, yeah that's like way they too get much. F- the opposing team is like second and seven, and they pick up you know six yards or something like that. It's going to be third and one. Like the other team still got I six yards. Yeah. I mean, like, also, I, the third down thing when they play Hell's Bells, like every every stadium does. It's like, oh my gosh. First off, it's the slowest intro to a song ever. Let's just stop doing it. Yeah, it's been done way too many times. Let's let's get original Dumb. with it. How about? How about something that we can all do uh, in unison? Maybe we just, everybody starts singing neck. Is oh, that okay? man, I like that. Yeah. And also, see that on third down. everybody, um, don't clap your hands. That's my least favorite thing when that song comes on. That's not the name of the song. You know what the name I'm is. I'm not going to say it. It's only going to make me upset. <laughs> Let's get to some five-star reviews. I promised that we were going to get to some the other day. This first one I feel like you should read because it is so built for you. Um, yeah, I'm just going to let you take it this way. Uh, from Josh Johansson, who said, I listened to the podcast in the preseason and absolutely hated it. Thanks, Josh. I was Thank so you. bummed because I'm a huge Georgia and SEC fan, and I was thinking there would be some really good SEC commentary. Instead, it was a couple of goofballs cracking inside jokes the whole time. A week or two went by, and I decided to give the podcast one more try. Now I can't get enough. I listen regularly, and I'm pretty sure people think I'm a crazy person when they see me cracking up laughing when I'm out getting exercise sick brag thanks for the weirdest sec media i could ever hope for for the record i actually enjoy hearing what y'all's commentary is along with the super random jokes josh that was a really nice compliment i just feel like uh all the negative part leading up to it that could have been like shorter no i think it plays into it we are an acquired taste so if you have someone if you have someone who has listened to this once that you know you say to them hey you know that they're they're fine wine. They they age a little bit better. You just gotta you know it's like The Office. Nobody liked season one of The Office when they watched it just by itself. But if you you know you watch it all the way through and then kind of get into season three and character development, all that stuff. I'm I just think saying, throwing it, I mean there. I think everybody would agree that the best way to describe me was is fine wine, without a doubt. Oh, I yeah I don't think there's any question about that. This is from YayTube. <laughs> Subject line: Ed talks. I need more Ed talks. Ed talks are what I need. Thanks YayTube. Okay, we can do that. We can, yeah. we can make that happen. We've got plenty of that. Plenty um, of that. Up next, we have Bartholomew Kuma. What a, what a name. Love it. Like the show, but diversity from too many Florida guests. Have some guests from Texas A&M, LSU, the Vols, or UJ. By the coach is pounding his head in anticipation. By the way, we don't do a little peek behind the onion here. We don't do that on purpose. We just kind of realize that, 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 that that's the way it happened. Um, yeah. A, a lot of... Sick brag, a lot of our connections are with people people that are directly related to Florida. Um, the Tebow thing just kind of fell into our lap. Luke Del Rio is our best friend, along with Tom Hart, Peter Burns. Um, maybe, we, maybe 
we'll get Peter Burns on this week. Maybe we'll get him on this week to talk some LSU about uh, the, the big one in Baton Rouge. I think we could maybe well, work Well, Terry that. Wilson we'll, won't return our calls ever since I accidentally ran over his uh, hydrangeas. Yikes. I feel like that one's on you. That is let's my end fault, with, yeah. Let's end with this one from Paducah Dave. <laughs> Great pod. Um, Great SEC podcast. Good mix of news and humor. The Coach O segment is awesome. BBN, go Cats. Paducah Dave, I apologize for saying your Cats aren't going to win on Saturday. Please still rate, review, tell all your friends to do the same. We appreciate everybody who gave us a five-star review. Everybody who reaches out to us on Twitter during a game or something like that with an inside joke. I love it. I, I, it's one of my favorite parts yeah. of this season. Seriously, I, I can't get enough of it. Unless you're, of course, just trolling me about something, you know, a Mississippi State pick that I made that I've already announced dead. So no need to really get after me for that No, keep anymore. doing that, but, guys. <laughs> um, we have a fun week ahead. We're going to have Halloween costumes for SEC coaches on Wednesday. We're hopefully... Like I said, maybe I just throw this out there to Peter Burns and enough people tweet at him like, hey, heard you're coming on the SDS pod, even though we haven't finalized anything yet. Um, we're, we will maybe have a guest on for Wednesday, um, but we will have a ton of fun stuff to talk about. Division title games. It's a good time of year in the SEC. Love baby. it. Good time of year. So, please, as I said, make sure that you are following us on Instagram. Make sure you're watching Facebook Live every Monday night at 8.30 and every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. when Marla rolls out of bed. You made people some money this week, right? Didn't you? Ooh, no, it was a tough week today. A tough week this week. It's not great. All right, well, we'll pretend that didn't happen, and we'll just say that you're up on the year. Follow us true. on Twitter at the SDS Pod at CMarlerSDS, at CJ O'Gara. Week 10 is upon us. Crazy, man. Crazy. Don't know where the time goes. No oh, idea. Man. Okay. <laughs> I won't say that. Thanks, guys. We will talk to you on Wednesday. I hate goodbyes.